Welcome to the Estate Planning Project. My name is Mary Bart and I am Chair of Caregiving Matters. Our purpose with this project is public education on a wide range of estate planning topics. With a growing aging population, unprecedented wealth transfer from one generation to the next, and the dramatic rise in estate litigation, the need for estate planning public education has never been greater. This is a technology-based project that is producing podcasts, articles, and blog posts. As a social collaborative initiative, experts such as lawyers, estate planners, and financial planners will share their thoughts and ideas on a bottomless list of estate planning topics. This project offers general information only and is not a substitute for seeking personalized professional advice. And today we are going to talk about death and dying. And our guest expert is Barb Stahlbecker Putney, and she is a lawyer based in Toronto. So welcome, Barb. Well, I'm very pleased to be here and to have the opportunity to talk about this issue, including the planning stages and so on. From a legal point of view, it is something that's dear to my heart, believe it or not. I started off uh, law practice in a small town in a general practice. I enjoy that type of practice where I'm able to get to know people and spend time with them. And that is the way I approach the topic now when I'm focusing on wills and estates in my practice. I feel it's really important to get to know my clients and what they're, they're about uh, rather than just having them tell me, here's the form, okay, I'll do that for you. I ne- you really need to get to know people because there are a lot of issues dealing with estate planning and end-of-life planning. Absolutely complicated. Well, you know, in the best possible of all worlds, we die gently, surrounded by loved ones who have time and space to grieve because we have prearranged our last days, our funeral wishes assured by pre-planning and an executor in place under proper last will and testament to handle our estate. But I'm sure you know this does not always go easily. So my first question for you, Barb, is this. What are some of the issues that you see that you could have been looked after differently? Having practiced law for a number of years and also with the education that I got from law school and the experience I've had, it's not always been great. I don't do estate litigation, but I do see where it can go wrong. And where it can go wrong is a will that's not properly drafted. Many people think that I have a simple estate. I have a simple thing. That may well turn out to be I used to work in a shoe store. I don't know if this makes sense, but the average lady's shoe size at that time was 8B. So if you have 8B, it's like having a standard will, what you think is a standard will. If the shoe fits, that's great. But if you have any other size, and who's going to tell you about that other size? But somebody like a lawyer that can measure somewhat your life and uh, look at what your needs are. So. I will have clients coming in, phoning me, it's a simple will, and then they leave after an hour discussion saying, I didn't think of that, I didn't think of that. So that's the first issue, is that the will and powers of attorney, which are just as important, 
for myself, they're sometimes more important because I'm going to be around and seeing what's happening and I won't be able to make decisions. I will, I'm gone, and I hope the best for the people I leave behind. The issue of having something that really fits your needs and is legally valid, that there won't be any any problems with your beneficiaries or with the courts. Secondly, I would say communication with everybody involved. Who is going to be your executor? Why? Why are you leaving certain things? Why are you leaving the same thing to everybody when maybe somebody has borrowed money or been treated differently? Why are you not leaving things the same to everybody because somebody has been treated differently as they were growing up? Perhaps you have an older child who is now a neurosurgeon. And then you have another child who's 12 who still has to go through school. Maybe the needs aren't exactly the same. And communicating with attorneys under power of attorney for property and for personal care. What are your wishes? How do you wish your property to be dealt with if you can't communicate yourself? Do you wish to stay in your home? Do you wish your home to be the last thing that's sold when you need finances to support you while you can't uh, make decisions for yourself? What kind of care do you want? Where do you want to live? These are things that your attorney needs to follow, your particular interests or your needs and your wishes mostly because it's a substitute decision that they're making under your power of attorney. They're not making what they think is best for you. Of course, the best interest is involved, but the attorney should be following what the grantor of the power of attorney want to have them do for them. And then, again, I sort of covered this, but explaining if you've got any variation in the norm of what a will has, if you're doing something differently than your family expects, perhaps you're leaving a huge amount to a charity. Maybe you need to explain that to them to say, well, this is, I feel you are all well-placed. I've brought you up to a place where you're all doing really well financially and otherwise. And in my heart, I really would like to leave this amount to this charity because I think they need it. And I think the people they're serving need it. So again, explaining in all of my advice is to communicate with everybody around because the biggest issues occur when people don't understand and read the wrong things, what's been left to them. And then basic estate tax planning, things like not realizing that on your RFP, all of the taxes that you haven't paid yet are due and payable when you withdraw after your date of death, it all becomes due. So if you've got $500,000 RFP, it may be that nobody realizes that you're going to be paying tax in one year on $500,000 RSP. And that could have been avoided. It couldn't it actually can't be avoided, but it could be taken into account. Don't leave like an RSP to one child without taking that into account and leaving a similar amount that's in a bank account that's going to be subject to the estate taxes and to the taxes on the RSP. Those are the major things. There are so many things that can go wrong, but you as lawyers, those are what we think of the, the wildest risk. And the client will say, well, that would never happen. I said, but let's just put it in just in case, because that's what we're here for. We're to look at all the, all the really horrible negative stuff that can happen. And we want to make sure that we prevent that. And in that sense, I also see myself as a preventative lawyer. I hate conflict. I don't like to be in conflict. I don't do litigation. So what I want to do is help you to keep you out of that situation, too. And that's very important. And Barb, could you explain to people, because I think a lot of lay people get terminology incorrect around power of attorney. And I know in our conversation, you've already mentioned the word attorney. And I know that's the legal term. 
And people, I believe, often say the incorrect term and they call themselves the power of attorney, which obviously is wrong. But could, could you just speak to the topic around terminology so people know that what and who you're talking about when you say the attorney? It's not the lawyer, but it's the person yeah. who's named, right? Oh, thank you for bringing that up. We watch so much American television in Canada. I am a lawyer, I'm a barrister, and I'm a solicitor. And I won't go into the legal history of that, but that the solicitor does paperwork, the barrister goes in front of the bar in the court. Attorneys in Canada are people that you give power to. So if you think of the, this is also a bit of a legal term, but a torn over rights to it. So when you appoint an attorney, you're appointing somebody to take over decisions for you, giving them power to do that. So that's what an attorney is. And yes, I have a, had situation where I've started going over this with a client and suddenly they look at me and say, you mean I'm going to give you all those powers? And no, no, no. I mean, I need to explain to you what an attorney is in Canada. Exactly. Well, thank you for that because that will come up further in our conversation. And so for those listening, when Barb says the word attorney, she's really, really talking about the people that are named in the, the document that is called the power of attorney document. So she's talking about those that are named in it, not lawyers. So let's go on. You gave us a good base and understanding of some of the issues. Now, are there any gaps? Well, I've, got, I've given talks and I've had clients come in and I can just talk about our society as a whole. It's a big philosophical, sociological, whatever it is, issue, but I think we all know we're growing more and more isolated. We're no longer out in farms or, or in communities with huge families and huge support systems. So there are folks that just don't have anybody. They don't have anybody to appoint. They don't have anybody that to leave anything too. We hope that they might have some assets. Most people have something. If you're a homeless person, you may have nothing. But on the other hand, you have the need for somebody to make decisions for you about your personal care and your when you need it. And so they're isolated in that way. So there are folks out there that have no one to choose as executor or as a, an attorney under a power of attorney. They have no one to decide what well, they can make, they may have a lot of strong decisions about how they want to be treated at their end of their lives. They may have decisions as to their funerals, but they have no one to manage that for them. So they have nobody to say, I want to stay in my little apartment as long as possible. I don't want to go into a long-term care. They have no one to say, when I'm in the hospital, I won't want to consent to no extreme measures being given to me. So they're in a bind that way. So that isolation is just an overall issue. I had a lady at a talk that I gave. She's probably in her mid-60s and she wasn't getting a lot. Well, she said, my son's told me he's not going to do anything for me. He, he doesn't want to. We've never gotten along that well. He doesn't care. I have nobody to appoint, you know, and I like to have said to her, you're not too old. Try to build up a social circle, but you know, we can't do that. So it's an issue that we have in society. But one thing we can do is at least think about that and think ahead and see if there is something we can do personally to set something in place. And what are your thoughts around the gaps around burial, cremation and ashes? As I understand it, if you do not have a will, we haven't even talked about uh, not having anything in place at all. If you are without a will, the, the executor has the authority over your 
your body is like an asset, basically. You can put a wish in your will of what you want to do. You can pre-plan, which is the best thing to do. You can. It doesn't mean you have to prepay the whole thing, but you can also pre-plan and not pay. If you do pay, your money is held in trust, so it's safe that you should get what you want. But the issue of having nobody, the funeral homes, uh, it's very difficult to be cremated because if there's any issues about your death, you can't be recovered from your ashes after it's happened. So you'll likely be buried even though you want to be cremated. That's very interesting. I bet a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, it's something I've only recently been brought to my attention by somebody that works with the homeless. That If you have nothing at all, as I understand, I'm not a, it's not my expertise is just my interest but if you are homeless uh, there are you don't get cremation your your body is kept for a while and then there are uh, cemeteries that have places where you can where they will place homeless people and again this is all local i'm a toronto ontario canada lawyer so things vary in different municipalities provincial thing here well that's interesting and you know let's expand that a little bit The primary concern, I believe, of many people is that they want to die well. What are some of the steps that one can take to ensure that that happens? As we all know that, again, going into the history of how power of attorney for personal care came about, we saw, and there were a lot of books written and so on, and some research done on how people were dying, in, particularly in North America, and how they were treated, uh, funeral homes and so on. And we saw people being hooked up and being kept alive for a very long time. And the medical intervention that was keeping people alive, and people would say, oh, I saw my grandmother last week's not days, but weeks, and it was just So I want control of my life, of my end of life. There was a lot of research done, and ultimately we got the power of attorney for property, but also a new thing called the power of attorney for personal care. So we do have living wills. Living wills, when I do them, I incorporate the same principles or the same similar wording into my power of attorney for personal care, which gives my attorney a consent to follow my wishes and they are supposed to follow my wishes which if I say that I don't want extreme measures and then I'm quite happy to get as much medication as possible to keep the pain away from me and even if it hastens my death so in that document you do your best to say what you want so the living will directive put into a power of attorney for personal care then you try to check out what's out there I think and just and tell people what you want. So I would use my experience with other people's deaths and thereby find out what I don't want, see what palliative care is available, hospice available. There's now a new type of midwife called a death doula who will work with people that are dying and will assist them and the family and issues relating to the death. They'll stay with the dying person, which also might be an option for people that don't have family to, to actually, if they're able to, hire them or get a volunteer to do that. So these aren't all legal things. I think they're more, again, thinking about it. Hospice palliative care. Hospice doesn't necessarily mean that it's a place. It's a way of caring. Palliative care needs to be looked at. I think there needs to be more put into the options of palliative care. There may be a fear of some people saying that because the palliative care isn't sufficient, there isn't enough of it out there, there isn't the opportunity to get proper palliative care in various communities throughout the country, throughout the province, that may encourage people to look at um, medically assisted death instead, which is kind of awful. I think those are some of the steps that you can take. 
the other step goes back to dying well also involves being comfortable that you've left everything in order. I can say right now when I look at everything I've gathered in my home over the years and I think, what am I going to do with it if I have to go into care? What has anybody left that I leave behind? I don't have children, so what are they going to do with all this stuff? It's a funny little issue, but it's an issue that's coming up now. And there's been a book written by a Swedish lady called The Swedish Art of Death Cleaning. And it's the the concept that at 65, you start thinking about and giving away things. And that's harder in our society now because our young people don't want used stuff anymore. They go to Ikea or something like that, but it's a different style. But even things around you, it's another way of just clearing things, getting your will in order, getting your powers of attorney order, speaking to your financial advisor, your accountant, ensuring that you've done the best to not be paying taxes you don't have to, that you've done your best to look after your dependents if there are any dependents. And that can go for dependents if you still have dependents and you are unable to make decisions for your property, then what will happen to your dependents? There needs to be some provision or some thought given to that as well. If you have children, you have an accident, uh, you can't make a decision, then your power of attorney for property will kick in and your attorney needs to be able to handle that as well. And what else in those areas? Just thinking ahead and planning with all of the people that are available to you, your accountant, your lawyer, the agencies, reading up on things, reading all the literature that's out there. I'm almost a little bit older than a boomer and there's certainly a lot of stuff out there that will help us with this podcast and what's being provided by Caregiving Matters. And my last question for you is this, Barb. What do you say to those who don't want a traditional funeral or perhaps they don't want one at all? Uh, funerals, initial thing. Oh, I don't want anything. I don't want them to spend any money on me. No, don't want a funeral. Definitely don't want a funeral. Just take me from where I am and dump me somewhere. <laughs> dump me in the dumpster. You know, don't, I don't want that. But funerals are not... You're not going to be around. So what what does your family want for you? Yes, definitely you should have something to say about your legacy. You shouldn't be mistreated. Your memory shouldn't be mistreated or anything. But do think about what's best for the people you leave behind because you're going to be gone. So do think about having something. It could be a memorial. It could be like me leaving some money for a great party in your will for people. You do need also to let your executor know because your executor is the final person to make the say. By putting instructions in your will, it's not actually enforceable. The executor can still override that, but if it's something different from your family and you feel very strongly about it, or perhaps you're in a situation where you feel very strongly, for example, that you want to be cremated, but you have certain family members that are of a religion that that insist, no, you have to be buried. So that wording in your will will help to communicate with those that, well, this is what she has said she wants. Other non-traditional funerals, there's so much out there. It's up to you. You can do it if you arrange it properly. And you may need some money to be shot up in a rocket uh, like Hunter Thompson was. And Timothy Leary shot into a, you know, into the air, into the sky, be sent off to the moon. I don't think many of us have that kind of money to arrange it. You can be, the gangsters used to say that you'd be going to the sea or something. Well, you can, you can become part of coral. You can become part of pottery. You can become a diamond for somebody to wear. But you don't have to have the traditional funeral. But that being said, remember the people you're leaving behind. If you're doing something really unique and artistic in your death, do keep in mind that this may cause a lot of problems with your family and those you've left behind in the future who didn't get what they wanted. 
for burial. There's a number, I think there's maybe three or four natural burial sites now where you can just enter the ground with a, a shroud. So check with the funeral homes if you want that. You are entitled to die at home. That's going to involve having perhaps an autopsy if you're not already in the stages of death and working with a doctor, but there will be different consequences of that. But you can die at home. You can have a funeral home. There are things like dry ice that you can keep under the body to leave it there for a few days. I know of somebody that had his son committed suicide and had it in their backyard had the son's funeral in the backyard and apparently it was um it was good for the people that that cared about him to have it done that way the the realm of possibilities now around how we deal with funerals is so much different than when i was growing up i mean there were no creative ideas it was just the standard thing that everybody did based on their religion but what you're telling us today is there's a wide variety of different ideas so that's very interesting well, I am Swedish, and when my father died, I was in Canada, and things are different in different countries. Also, there are issues, you know, if, if you die abroad, and the best thing is to come back in ashes, because bringing back the body can be expensive, or sending the body is more of an issue overseas. But there are, in some countries, it's very strict and traditional. You cannot split up ashes and so on and when my father died I didn't know you could advertise for light colors but it was very gloomy I went in and the coffin was there and it was in the crematorium and it was it was really gothic and everybody stood around in dark clothing and it was really like a gothic painting or something so the whole funeral industry is very interesting embalming actually I don't know if many people know came out of the American Civil War where soldiers had died in distant fields and their families wanted them back and transportation and so on meant that the bodies would be kept in an area for a long time so they learned how to embalm bodies and that was the initial idea of it and then it became an industry and then everybody convinces that that's what you had to do so there are certainly lots of options and for for some of us uh, the idea of somebody working on things like that after we're dead so we have control over those things and that's very uh, insightful to to share that with us because many people don't think that they have options but you're saying that they do. So thank you for that. All of the pre-planning, you shouldn't. I've, I've done wills for people when they're in the final stages and in the hospital. And that's not something you should have on your mind. You shouldn't have to be doing There's so much else you should be dealing with with your family and, and being close to them. You shouldn't have to be thinking about your will or even your powers of attorney for the, the very last stuff at that point in time. The same thing with the funeral. We all know the stories about going to the funeral home and we were talking about just a simple box and then suddenly you're down there with the director saying, well, you know, like you really cared about them. You know, here's a lovely, don't you think this coffin would be nicer and or this casket would be better? I got, became interested in the area because a friend of, of our theater group died at 47 and we were responsible. I was the alternate executor and lawyer and my friend was the executor and we went down and we got her an ecologically correct casket, which was lovely, no nails in it. And we had her embalmed although it was close casket. Like, it was this early, long time ago. This is how, how I've learned and experienced things. She was cremated. So the casket was cremated. That was ecologically correct. She was embalmed. She didn't need to be. So we have options. But if you plan all these things ahead of time, you don't get stuck in that position where you're saying, wow, what do I do now? You know, and I'm sorry. And I, I feel so badly about sending her off. Just in. You can have a lovely brocade over a pine box. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this yeah. has been very interesting and insightful. And 
Barb, could you share your contact information with us, please? I practice law in Toronto. My office is at Lauren Young, and my phone number is 416-232-6890. I have a website. It's www.b, as in Bob, s as in Sam, p as in Peter, l-a-w dot c-a. Like all those websites to be updated soon. <laughs> But the contact info is fair too. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Barb, for joining our project. Well, I'm I was really pleased to have the opportunity. As I said, it's just, it's a just a, a part of my life. I'm very interested in helping people understand the issues. And you've done just that. So thank you again. Mm-hmm.